I'm really excited for today because I get to teach uh, and finalize this series um, week four. Uh, is anybody ready for the word this morning? All right, so let's do it. So we've been trekking through this sermon, I'm, I'm sorry, through this, 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 uh, this scripture of Amos 3 and 3, right? In Amos 3 and 3, what does it say? It says, how may two individuals walk together unless they agree? So this entire series that we've been in is literally talking about the stuff and the space that comes in between us and the ones that we love. Now, I just want to make sure that I, I cover a couple of things, that the pinnacle of your Christian life is not marriage. You know, just like when we start talking about like money, the pinnacle of your Christian life is not owning a business. Everybody isn't curated to write a book. But if churches do a really bad job of making people feel that they're less than because they praise some people with specific skills. But I just want to make sure that you understand that the stuff in between you and your wife is the same stuff that one person might have between them and their coworker, between them and their boss, between them and themselves. Because what happens is, is that when you're in agreement, both of your hands are together and you're walking in the same direction. But how many of you have ever been in disagreement with yourself? What I told myself on Monday, it's Thursday, and now what I, I know what I said, but I, I can't agree with it. Agreement is the number one reason why some of us lose the faith. Because in order to receive Christ's blood, you don't just receive it. You have to agree what comes with the blood. So today, I'm just hoping that I can break down just a little bit more uh, of, of this sermon series. Is that all right as we end it? Here we go. Hosea, Hosea 4 and 6. It says, my people are ruined because what? They don't know what's right or true. Underline that. Because you've turned your back on knowledge, I've turned my back on you priests. Underline this next part. Because you refuse to recognize the what? Revelation. The what? The what? Scream it. The what? The revelation of God. I'm no longer recognizing your children. So we've talked about marriage relationships. We talked about platonic relationships, but I, I really want to share um, with how many of you in the room are either engaged, hope to be engaged, hope to be married, okay? How many of you in the room are married, but you want your marriage to go to another level? How many of you have an amazing level, but you're super greedy and you want it to get even gooder? Yeah, okay. So everybody all in between, how many of you have the, have the gift of singleness? Like, I'm cool with me and my cat. I only have to order one plate. I am straight. One thing that I want to make sure that you understand is that agreement is not based off of who's walking with you. Because even if you are by yourself and you're single, there's still a crowd of people. We call it three's company, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So when we start to talk about this conversation of being alone, it's not being by yourself. It's being within yourself with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the Son. Look at your neighbor and say, you're never alone. But sometimes, can you bring my, uh, my, my object, Mr. Lamont? But sometimes our desires begin to cloud our decisions. Sometimes we can know what we want, and it can be so clear that we will run over people to get it. Sometimes we know exactly what we want, and we'll even, we'll even drink poison to get it. So this is what I want to talk to you guys about. Like everybody say principle. Do we know what principles are? Principles are instructions. Principles are the ABCs and the one, two, threes of how things work, right? So there, there, there are many different principles, but one thing that we don't do well in, in, in church is talk about the principles of relationship. So today I'd really like to break that down. So over the past nine years, um, me and my, my beautiful wife, we, we were friend, best friends for two years, and then we dated for uh, 
for, for, th- uh, for three years, and then we courted, like, intentionally for two, right? And courting is different than dating because courting actually has a means to its end. Dating does not. So um, how many of you guys uh, have Apple products? Jason asked me earlier, he said, how much could I pay you to switch from Apple to Android? I was like, dog, you ain't got enough money. It, uh, like, everything talks. I can't do it. But when you get a box with an iPad, the first thing that you see is what? The packaging. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's amazing. Everything fits together. Somebody literally thought about when the box opens, not having that hang sound. You know, like, you hear that? You don't hear nothing. That was, it, it, was, it was administrated, and there was a principle that somebody wanted just for the box to work. You will spend more money on a trash object if the packaging is right. So the box is great, but we don't need the box. But when you open up the box, there's this thing that's, that, that's there. What is, what, what is these? Isn't it interesting that with everything that you ever open, the instructions are the first thing that you see? But what do we do? The instructions, y'all, I'm teaching already. I feel the glory of God on this thing, Darren. You feel me? We will run the risk of not knowing how to use this thing because we don't take the time to read the instructions. There are people in this room, you've been using your iPad for the past six, seven years, and you're scrolling through Twitter, and you see something, and they're like, I didn't know my iPad could do that. Why not? Because you didn't read the instructions. So what happens is, is that when you try to, to, to use these things, right, I know how to turn it on, I know how to charge it. That's enough. I know how to turn it on, I know how to charge it. But if you ever get to this point where you try to fix it on your own, you can use objects that are used to fix, and, and you, can, um, you, you, you can destroy some stuff, right? So the instructions say that at any point in time, I should be able to use instruments in order to fix it. But since I didn't read the instructions, why are y'all freaking out? I'm fixing it. It's working. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good now, isn't it? Why are y'all freaking out? I know what I'm doing. I know what I'm doing. I've been here before. So we'll have people that are in between the ages of 17 and 55 that want you to believe that they know what they're doing in their married relationships, and their dating relationships. And the church is walking around looking like this. The instructions have no fingerprints on it. I couldn't even tell you how to fix it. But I'll do anything and everything that I can to fix. Oh, where is it at? Because I know that God is the living word and he's, and he's the water, right? He's, he's, he's the water of life. So I can use this to like, like it should work, shouldn't it? Like it, it should. That's so good. It's good. And then when we get to the point where we want to give our heart to somebody, this is what we give them. Let me do you one better. Am I teaching? We'll go as far as to cover up who we really are. And we'll try to present this to somebody saying, I'm all together. I'm ready for marriage. You can be a Bible scholar and still be jacked up on the outside. And then when that relationship doesn't work, that person drops it. And now not the, just the product is damaged, but the outside packaging is damaged. 
But if I keep moving on, I won't be able to find the instructions. So today, we're going to talk about revelation through the principles. I want you to write this down. We're talking about relationships today. We're no longer in relationships. Somebody say revelationship. Because we will walk our entire lives asking why the woman that we love or the woman that we want to be with doesn't want to be with us. It's because if she uses you, she'll hurt herself. If you, if you hook up with her, bro, when you start to like trying to figure out and enjoy the good thing, she's broken in so many different places and you're going to cut yourself up trying to get to it. Some of us are so broken to the point that it doesn't matter what you do, it's not going to charge because it's, say, broken. So can we talk about this? So today what we're going to do is we're going to use the word of God. I don't care about what happened on The View. I don't care about your girlfriends, your boyfriends, all of you keyboard warriors underneath us right now in the comments on Facebook. Just lift your hands because I'm about to teach the word and your opinion is not necessary in this moment. Amen? Because we want to get some people free because I'm really getting tired of this because it's getting to the point now in the American church that one out of every two relationships in marriage end in divorce. And we're losing. But I don't think it's because we're not good people. I just think that we don't know how to actually use the instructions correctly to make our lives look something that's, that, that's like adorable. You know what I'm talking about? So here we go. Point number one, principles run the world. So how many of you have ever um, jumped off a diving board? So that means that you've experienced the principle of gravity. How many of you have ever tried to hold your breath underwater? Regardless of how much you do not like the principle of oxygen, your body will tell you, hey, dog, we're going we to we knock you out so we can get some air. Death is inevitable. That's a principle. Everything that lives has to die. Time moves in a linear motion. We can try and manipulate, break, bypass, and move around these things, but at some point in time, we have to submit ourselves to the principle. Look at your neighbor and say, if you want your relationship to work, you have no opinion but to follow the principles of the kingdom. Anything outside of the word of God that we try to do in our relationships, it's not that it doesn't work, it can't. You cannot present yourself holy and acceptable in living in the same house and you're not married. You can't. You can't. Like, you can't. Well, well, there's no, you can't bypass it. You can't. You can, I cannot present myself, or a man or woman cannot present themselves holy and acceptable unto their wife if they have secrets. You, you can't. Because if we believe the word says that we're, that, God is suppo- that we're supposed to love our spouse the way that God loved the church, remember, God didn't hide anything from us. So look at your neighbor and say, you can't bypass. The amazing thing about principles, though, when we look at how they run the world, is that principles actually protect you. Do you know the principle of your cognitive thinking? You know what fight or flight is? It's when your brain basically tells you in a situation, I have two options. I either have enough courage and enough experience to fight this thing, or I'm scared I'm going to run off dipping. But sometimes the the chemicals in in our brains can be imbalanced. And you can look at stuff and think that you can fight it, but you should be running away. And I think that a lot of people in the church find marriage as something that they want to run away from. But they've been given the gift of marriage. So can we talk about some things so it's not as scary? Point number two. You ready? 
Oh, no, I'm sorry. Let's go to Psalms 119, 1 through 4. It said, Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his what? Statutes and seek him with what? All their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. Underline this part. You have laid down precepts that are to be kind of obeyed. Sort of obeyed. I got the, the, the message at 11 o'clock in churches tomorrow so I can repent on the altar tomorrow and do what I want to do tonight and be sin-free, obey. God's going to forgive me because this is the thing I want you to write down. You cannot abuse principles and you cannot break them. Principles break who? You. Point number two. We all right? Breathe. Everybody breathe in. Breathe out. Point number two. If it's not principle, it's opinion. If what we are being shared with about our relationships on television, on Instagram, on Twitter, on people that have broken relationships trying to tell you how to do it, if it does not come from what God gave us as the statute and the principle of relationship, it's opinion. And how many of you got some boo-boos and some bumps on your head because you took the wrong opinion? How many of you have relationships with people that you gave them the wrong opinion and now you see like that was the wrong opinion? We don't break principles. Principles break us. Here we go. So we are unable to create principle to live our lives. Human beings. Have you ever heard the term, whatever helps you sleep at night? Who do you tell that to? The person that's trying to find a workaround around something that they know is wrong. Well, what if I just go over at six o'clock, sis? You're not supposed to be over his crib without anybody. Okay. So, okay. What if I call you when I get there? And I call you when I leave. You're not supposed to, to be over at dude's crib by yourself. Well, what if I FaceTime you while you're there? You're going to get me in trouble. But you're not supposed to be there without me being there. One thing that I want to make sure that, you under, that we understand is that principles are set in stone. And they're so big, so wide, and so deep that you will waste your life trying to bypass the things that are easy to conceive. God is the author and the creator of the blueprint for, relation, for successful relationships. That is what we're going to talk about today. I don't care. Hear my heart. I love you. But I don't care about what your mother and your father have said. Because anything that they're telling you, if it's the truth, it's started in the word. Your girlfriend, your boyfriend, your guy friends, whatever it is. Can we just X them out and get some, some knowledge for a second? Principle defined. I want you to write this down. A principle is the first fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for a system of belief prospering. Principle is the first fundamental truth it's the first thing meaning that if you don't get the first principle and you follow the rest of them you still will fail because the first principle regarding a relationship with people and having a good marriage is not how you look it's your relationship with christ the first fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for a system of belief prospering so when we look at this word revelation we understand that revelation is what? Like light. It's, it's when, the, when, the, when, the, uh, when, when the light bulb goes off. God calls himself the prince of peace, Jesus Christ. But there's, there's this other guy, which we call Satan and the devil, which we're not going to give power to, but I'm going to share with you how he gets in our lives. Are you ready? So God is the prince of peace, but Satan is the prince of darkness. And darkness in the Hebrew means ignorance. That means that Satan is the he has the principle, he has the first fundamental right, the first fundamental right in the areas that you don't know anything about. 
The enemy cannot control you in areas where you have revelation unless you give it to him. So John 8, 12, John 8, 12, it says, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the, come on, talk to me. I am the light of the world. Underline this. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in ignorance because you will have the revelation that leads to life. I'm teaching this morning. Wherever you are ignorant, the enemy has license to rule. If you are ignorant about calories in and calories out, it's not the devil that's making you fat. You have given him, an, you've given him rulership in an area that you have no knowledge. My Uncle Kevin gave me a snowblower, and I did not have the revelation of having instructions. He talked to me about it, but he was talking so fast because that's what he does. Like Everybody say he's a real man. Like That man's building a kitchen. Who, like I wouldn't even... He's building a kitchen, but I digress. Real man. I'm, I'm going to pay somebody. Okay, all right. But one thing that happened is that I thought that the snowblower needed more gas, it needed more oil. And I would call him and be like, why doesn't it work? Do I have a right to yell at somebody if I haven't looked at the instructions? Why not? Because they're available. Write this down. Just because you don't know doesn't mean that the revelation isn't available. You can't say, I didn't know. Do you know that in the court of law, I talked to my sister about this, so Callie. All you and Casey that are watching. Okay, you and Casey, what, what, Missouri, let's go. Okay. Um, she's mentioned to me that if you murder somebody and you in your heart of hearts don't know that it was wrong, you're still guilty. Why? Because the principle of murdering someone is that there's a sentence, even if you don't know. So we have people in the church, I'm not even just talking about relationships, every principle that we talk about, we're going to be talking about money next month, right? But people that have, an, have ignorance in that place, you give the enemy rulership over your bread. So how much rulership does God have over our relationships romantically if we don't know the principles of God? The reason why it's not working, the reason why, sis, you think that he's slow and he's underdeveloped, the reason why she doesn't like your mom, the reason why every time that y'all try to move together in a new apartment and another apartment and another apartment and everything's going wrong is because you can't break the principle. But if you have ignorance in an area, you literally set up the throne and put Satan on it. When you are ignorant in a place, you literally tell the enemy, I'm giving you permission to rule my life when it comes to sex. I'm giving you permission to rule my life when it comes to drugs. I'm giving you permission to rule my life when it comes to paying tithe. But if you don't have the information, that doesn't mean that it's not available. The book was written. You just got to get you up off of your happy booty and go to the library and check it out. It's there. Look at your neighbor say, it's there. It's there. It's like when I walk into the kitchen and I'm like, babe, where is such and such? And she's like, I, how, who, how, she doesn't have a revelation of where it's at. I can't get upset with her because I misplaced something. And we have mis misplaced our responsibility in relationships. The proof that the relationship is working is that it provides light to others. So if you're in a relationship and other people are blind around you, that's not a problem. But if they stay blind, that speaks a lot about your relationship. You mean to tell me you've been dating for a year and nobody is getting better? You're not, she's not, your friends are not? Huh. You mean to tell me that as you guys are together married, you still haven't talked to that couple that you guys talk about in pillow talk? You talk about them, but can you talk with them and rise them up? Because revelation light inside of us, the word of God says that would you take a light and put it under a bushel? No. What do you do? You put it on a stand and you put that stand on a table so that it provides light for a little bit of the house. The whole house. Marriage in your family should be the brightest light that happens. 
But when we got married, Vanessa and myself, the light shouldn't only shine bright in the Williams household. It has to shine bright in her family's household as well. Does that make sense? Let's go to Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, you are the what? Light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine, or shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your, praise your heavenly father. When we do not know where we're going and we're leading people to a place where we're going, we're going to end up nowhere. Can I say it again? Say it again. If I don't know where I'm going and I'm leading you where I'm going, where are we going? We don't know. You can't even say nowhere. We don't know. Which means that people out here that are killing it and making it successful, some of them don't know. It's not that God loves and favors other relationships over others. Sometimes things just happen. In the same way that somebody might get married and they might pass away from a sickness, the same people that we say that we don't like in the music industry that are killing it, they're probably following the principles of God but do not know the person who wrote it down. Because the principles work regardless of if you love God or not. They're the same principles. You want to know why? It's because your Bible has dust on it, but every book that came from Warren Buffett, Stephen Covey, uh, The Seven Natural Habits of a Highly Effective Person, uh, any, other, any of these, all these people, you watch all these TED Talks, and then you kind of start saying, like, that kind of sounds like the word a little bit. It's because the principle was written before man was made. So it doesn't matter how many books we read. It doesn't matter how many scrolls we try to talk about. It doesn't matter how many TED Talks we talk about. God is speaking through people that are ignorant of who he is. It's not that God loves that marriage more than you. It's just that they know how to work the principles. You want to hate on me? That's fine. But don't hate on me. I just know how to follow these. Step one, give your life to Christ. Step two, make sure that you're right. Step three, marry the woman. Step four, make sure that you can teach her. And you follow it piece by piece. And then we can start asking this question, God, why them? Why isn't my money working? Why is my relationship not working? Why is my body not doing what it needs to do? And I think that God is quiet in those moments because I think he's literally standing there saying, dog, before you opened up the product, what was the first thing that was there? Instructions. That's so good. So I'm literally, can somebody say infatuated? infatuated? I'm infatuated with NASA. Do you know that NASA, if they shoot a rocket from Cape Canaveral, I, this is the only one I know, so leave me alone. If they shoot a rocket from Cape Canaveral and they make it to the moon, and that was their destination, but their numbers were off, do you know they call that a failure? Why? Even though we made it to our destination, our numbers were wrong. Which means that we made it to the moon, not because we wanted to, but everything worked out perfect. You can make it to your destination and still not be satisfied. Get the ring. Have the sex. It's great. We're married now. There's no sin. But still feel incomplete because you made it to the destination, but you didn't follow the instructions. Let me give you another example. Me and my dad, he used to make these paper planes, and every time that he would throw one, glory to God, every time that he would throw one, that thing would go, I mean, it would go. Then he would, like, tweak a little bit, like, on the wings, and it would go, like, I was like, oh, man, that's cool. And it would get to the point where I didn't have the patience to go through all the steps, so I would shortcut, and the plane would look the same, but it would fly different. 
Some of the relationships that you see that everybody's working out, it's hell at the crib. So can we stop judging good relationships, marriages, dating relationships based off of what they put on the gram and Facebook? Because what's happening at the house is more important. The light on the inside of you should be brighter at the crib than it is in front of people. Because anything else that happens is just a front. I'm not really sure why I'm yelling at y'all, but I want my relationship to be good in the dark. I want my relationship to be good when I'm in my sin. I want my relationship to be good when other people are spitting at me, when I'm wrong. Because the only person that my light needs to shine on is the woman that I married. If it doesn't shine on y'all, that's not my job. That's not my job. You get the residual flow of light. My job is to face this woman that I married and to follow the instructions that God gave me to instruct, like, like to be with her. Because the instructions that each person follows is, is for their relationship. That's why you can't follow the ABCs and one, two, threes of every single family. You can't. What I do with my money and what I do with your money, you can't do it because I have a little bit more than you or you have a little bit more than me. Follow the principles that God has given you. Somebody say, God, God has, principles has principles from my life. My life. That's good. That's good. Point number three. Man, you in there. Point number three. Peace and protection is wrapped in the principle. If you don't have peace... And if you feel unprotected, I promise you, you're not in principle. Because God does not push you out into being unprotected. And God does not strip peace from you if you're following his instructions. The minute that I start to feel a little bit away, Leonard, the minute that I'm like, I'm out, I, like, something's not working. When our water heater went out, the first thing that I asked wasn't if the heater was broken. You can ask my wife. The first thing that I asked her, I said, did we, do, did we miss something? Did we, did we tie this month? Let's go back and look at it. Did we miss it? Were we off by a percentage? Are you sure? Well, let's give another tie just right now just to cover it, right? It becomes this thing of everything in my life that's not going right, I don't own any of it. I go back to God. I followed your word. I followed the instructions. That's, so you said if I follow your instructions, you said, you said you've never seen your children begging for bread. I'm one of your children, and I love bread. So if I'm following your instructions, I better be like Panera on Sunday morning. You feel me? Like, I don't want crust. I don't, want, I don't want crumbles. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want morsels. I want the whole loaf. But if you're in a place where you don't have peace or you don't have protection, the question is, are you following the principles? Somebody say, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Point number one in underneath this. It says, when you build your life on the principles of God, it gives you access to peace. You cannot have peace in a relationship that you are trying to bypass the principles that God set. You cannot have principles in areas. I'm sorry, you cannot have peace in areas that you're not following principle. Number two is that whatever you build your life on, you must put your faith in. Let's go to Matthew 7, 24 to 27. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is what? Wise. Like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't do what? Collapse because it is built on bedrock. Isn't it interesting that it says it won't collapse? It never said that it won't sink a little. It didn't say that it wasn't going to like rock. It didn't say that the basement wasn't going to flood, which means in our relationships, and I know I've only been married that, that long, so just get the revelation from God if you can't hear it from me. I get it. Whatever. But just because there's a rough patch in your life, in your marriage, in your, in your work week, or in your career, doesn't mean that the house is underwater. There is no house in the history of ever that has ever stood a flood and not had anything happen, anything bad not happen to it. 
But sometimes if you're in a relationship, and I'm talking to my young people, right? I'm talking to my 18 to like 30s, right? Like, like all of you. Sometimes we know that we're in the wrong relationship and we'll wait for there to be a leaky faucet to leave. The faucet's leaky, I'm leaving. Because we don't have the boldness to say, you know what, this isn't the house for me. How many more unbroken people would we have in the church if they were really able to read the instructions and the minute that they saw one crack on the, on the, the iPad, they actually took it to the manufacturer and didn't try to fix it themselves? Talking it out and getting in your word and watching Creflo Dollar playlists is not going to fix what you did with her last night. It's not. Everybody watches uh, Pastor Creflo, um, um, uh, Dr. Creflo because he talks about like principalities and like getting your life right. But there's no amount of YouTube that can bypass the principle. You can't read enough books to get your salvation back. You have to follow the principle. Principle. Look at your neighbor and say, the rain is coming. Your peace and your protection is wrapped in your ability to follow the principles. That's why you can look at people on the stage around you in your life who it seems like everything is going to hell and high water around them, but they still feel protected and they have peace. You want to know what peace looks like? You want to know what peace looks like? Peace is when you look at two different families going through the same situation, but one of them is smiling and it's real. Peace is when you hear the same story coming from two different people. He cheated on her or she cheated on him and they're married. Two different relationships, but one is reconciled and the other one is frustrated. Peace and protection is when you follow the principles, even if you mess up, if you follow the principles, it gives you access. Somebody say access. Say access. It gives you access to peace. Peace is something that is unlocked in our relationships when we follow God, not when we chase desire. Look at your neighbor. Say, you cannot gain peace. And chase desire out of principle. You ready? Point number four. Ignorance destroys the, ben- the benefit. Because I didn't know how to use this, I can't benefit this anymore. What are some things I should be able to do with this iPad? Talk to me. I should be able to text people. What else? I should be able to do the internet. I should be able to FaceTime my granny. What else? Social media. I should be able to take pictures. But because I broke it and I was ignorant, now all the stuff that I'm supposed to be able to do with this, I can't. And it doesn't mean that God doesn't want me to have a good relationship. It doesn't mean that the one that God gave me was broken. It just means that when it came to the instructions, I didn't follow them. The most peaceful and protected place that you should be dating from is the principle of God. My granddaddy told me, if you ever have to think if you're walking with God, you should go and find him. That's a little bit too deep. If you ever have to question, Joshua, if you're walking with Christ, when you're with Christ, you know. So if you're questioning, if you're walking with him, you should stop what you're doing and look for him. And once you find him, sprint to that man. Because too many relationships end up like this. And then we have people that God meant to have babies and get married and be business owners that are broken. In the church, can sing you under a pew, can teach the word, are an amazing catch on the outside, but on the inside, they're jacked up. Ignorance destroys the what? The benefit. The best parts of relationships are locked up because we don't know how to access them. 
Yesterday we were in the airport and there's a feature on iPads and iPhones now that if somebody has AirPods, if they open them up near your device, you know that you can share the sound between yours and theirs? I had no idea. But because I was ignorant of it, I only got the benefit of something that's been technology for the past two years yesterday. That's what revelation looks like in marriage and relationships. It's when you say, I didn't know. And then life just becomes so much easier because now what you didn't know is now known. Amen. We purchase things that we never use the full design of. When you don't know how it works, you do four different things. I want you to write these down. When we do not know how relationships work in our lives, we do these four different things. We waste energy. How much more energy could I have used thinking using the hammer would fix this? I would waste a lot of my energy trying to smash this thing to make it work. The next thing that we do is that we waste our time. The biggest lie that anybody will ever tell you is that spent time is worth staying. It's the biggest lie. I've been with her for six years. We should stay together. That's not a reason to stay. Been there. Been there. The only way that that thing talks about with time is if you're married. You can't say, man, it's been a long time. Yeah, it's too bad. You're in there. Clink, clink. That's what it is. But if you're dating someone, if you are, if you're dating someone, if you're courting someone, if you're in relationship with someone, it's so somber in here right now, and you have 10 things on your list, and she doesn't meet all 10, that's reason to walk away. It doesn't have to be malicious. It doesn't have to be rude. It doesn't have to end up being a broken por- a person because God did not create a perfect person for anyone. Oh, they got quiet. The first time that God picked somebody for someone, it flopped. How many people did God make for Adam? And what happened? God was like, I ain't doing this no more. I'm going to bless who you pick, but I'll give you principles to pick the right one. He created one Eve. Adam saw Eve and said, bruh. They say, whoa, but he said, bruh, dot. (laughs) What is that? There ain't no elephant. You feel me? (laughs) There ain't no giraffe. You feel me? That's, That's different. But just because God made Eve for Adam... Adam still had a choice. I think this is, this is the anointing. I'm going to pray over you. From now on, every opportunity that you see in a person doesn't mean that they are the one. It just means it's an opportunity. It's called the parade of choice. You like her? You like her? And it's not pimping because you haven't chose one yet. But in this time of your life, you shouldn't be going on dates. You should be trying to figure people out. And check them against the 10 things that you have in your principles. But I'm, 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 too, far, I'm too far deep. Let, let me go back. Isaiah 40 and 8. It says, the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the what? The word of our God stands forever. When we stand on God's word in our relationships, I'm not telling you that, you can't, that, that you're not going to fail because you do. I'm not telling you that you can be perfect because you can't be. But you have at least 100% better chance of getting back up when it falls Because you're not standing on something that's broken. You're standing on the word, the rock that was there before you were there. So I I just want to share with you some some, some points. Is that okay? So I married my wife. Absolutely amazing time in in, in the wedding. But uh, 
I, I remember every part of the wedding. And I think because it was a quarantine wedding, I, was, I remember what she smelled like. I remember everything. I remember the color brooch that my mom had on. I remember the words that my dad gave me. Because most of the time when people get married, and this is funny, a whole bunch of married men told me uh, before COVID happened, like, oh, you're not going to remember a thing. You're not going to remember a thing. You're not going to remember a thing. And I'm like, did you not remember because you were making a bad decision? This is me. This is Joshua, not Pastor Joshua. So don't, I can't believe he said that. He did. Let's just be honest. But I wanted to remember every part of it because at any point in time in our relationship, after we got married, when there's bad days, I should be able to see her like this when she was beautiful and when everything was working. So now my principle isn't the stuff that's going to happen. My principle is why we married. So there were some things that we followed um, in our relationship uh, to get us to the point where we were. We, we had really great relationships with people. But I've realized something. Unless you're extremely explicit with the points of what you should do in order to have a better relationship, people will use that as a reason to fall off. Well, you didn't say I couldn't X, Y, and Z. Like, I have to spell it all the way out. So, Miss Stacy, I'm going to spell it out. You ready? Here we go. This is the revelation for our relationships. We ready? Here we go. Point number one. A partner is best picked after purpose. A partner is best picked when? After you figured out who you are. So if you don't know who you are and you say that you're ready for marriage, you can't be if you're going to follow the principles. Isn't it interesting that God didn't create Eve until Adam was done with his work? Isn't that interesting? God did not even present Adam with an option of who he was going to be with until he had something to help. Because if you have nothing to work on and you get hooked up with somebody that's supposed to be your helper, they'll be your tormentor because you have nothing to help. Does that make sense? God doesn't pick. He did it one time. Every other time has been just a suggestion. And every opportunity that you see is not the one that you're supposed to marry. Am I speaking the truth? He or she looks great and you've seen her here a couple Sundays in a row. She's fine. He's great looking. He dresses really well. Or he's a smooth talker or whatever it is. But the exterior means absolutely nothing. And it's not in the principles of God. How they make you feel with their words is not important to God. How they look to you physically is not important to God. The principle is do your lives match up to chase purpose? And if they don't, why would you put yourself in a relationship for two, three years when you knew that the no was going to happen when you said, let's do this? Because we do that in relationships. I know this isn't going to work, but I just want to have some fun. Then we have a heartbreak, and when we say, I didn't know what was coming, you knew when you made the decision, hey, do you want to go on a date? Look at your neighbor and say, you weren't ready. Point number two, being alone gets you ahead. We should actually break down this word to being consumptive. Everybody say all one. There are some things that you should experience alone. Eating out, going to the movies, going on a trip, meditating. Because if you can't spend time by yourself, you'll realize that when you're married and your wife goes to work, you'll feel out of place. Let her go to work and you have a day off. I was in the house like, what do I do? What do I do? I, like, I don't have my phone. Like, Hello, where are you at? <laughs> like, like, wife, where are you? She's like, I'm at work. I'm like, oh, what do I do? Like, I thought my role was only to be a husband. No, your point was to be all one without her. Because people get married and we give up our oneness. 
and we join to somebody else and now they complete us, which is not a principle because if the person completes your happiness, when they leave, your happiness is broken. If you're knowledgeable and you're loving and that person completes you, when they leave, Jeremy, it's over with. I can't be fully happy without them. You are never meant to need someone. I don't need my wife. I need God. And because we both need God, we're tethered. And the minute that we start talking about that we need each other, we got people in our lives that are going to take our eyes off of each other and point them up. No, you need that guy up there. There are some things that you should do and experience alone, but relationships is not one of them. You cannot do relationships by yourself and then work if you want to follow the principles. It can work outside of the principles, but you cannot reap the benefits of a kingdom relationship without following the instructions. Somebody say amen. Singleness was, not in, was, was so important that God postponed creating another person for Adam. What can you join in right now that will cause somebody to be attracted to your work rather than how you look? Because that's what lasts. When they fall in love with what you're in love with. Because we're going to fall in and out of love. But if we fall in love with why the person is, their essence, their being, then it doesn't matter if they're 80 with wrinkles. It's not about what I see. It's about what I see. So somebody say, we need to reframe the win. Come on, say it. We need to reframe the win. The goal of singleness is not marriage. It's relationship with Christ. The finish line of singleness is not when you hear dum, dum, da, dum. No, there is no. The point of you becoming single is not to prepare you for a mate. It's, It's to prepare you for purpose. It's to prepare you for the reason that God puts you on earth. If God, told, if God wanted each and every one of us to have a mate in order to fulfill purpose, we would have been born married. Which means that it's a choice. But look at your neighbor and say, the choice that you make can slow you down. I shouldn't have to be married to chase my purpose. I shouldn't have had to find somebody that was attractive to help me fold t-shirts. I should have been doing it myself. Because look at your neighbor. Before you get a person... You must be self-sufficient. If you can't take care of yourself, why would you want to put somebody in eternal bondage taking care of the areas that you do not have self-discipline? Well, I don't do laundry. Well, she does. Have you ever done laundry? No, that's why I married her. What are you talking about? Older men talking to me. Like, I don't talk to God. Like, I'm, like, it's ignorance. It's, 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 it's ignorance. Somebody say Ignorance. Being selfish in your relationship is a fruit of the Spirit. You know that? Bet you didn't. Look at your neighbor say, being selfish feeds my spirit. Look at your neighbor say, being selfish feeds my spirit. But it's selfish in the right ways. You should be selfish when you become responsible for your own well-being. She's not responsible for my well-being. She aids in it, but I'm responsible for how I feel. Another place where I'm selfish is in my happiness. Because if, I have to, if she has to make me happy or vice versa, we're not going to be very happy. Or one of them is going to be happier than the other. Look at your neighbor and say, I can't make you happy. The third thing that we should do selfishly is deal with our insecurities. As a man, if you are insecure about something with your wife, marrying a woman that's okay with it is not going to take away your insecurity. 
Sis, if you have daddy issues and you get in a relationship with a guy that's a great guy, like, I mean, like, literally is a great man, that's not going to wash over your issues with your pops. Because write this down. Marriage and relationships does not wash away your sins, your insecurities, or the places where you're upset. Marrying anybody is not the cure to anything. It's the aid to everything. Okay, okay. Um, let, me, let me say that again. When you marry somebody, the world should rejoice because your purpose has just received another percentage tick of being complete. When you get married, it's not over. Look at your neighbor and say, it's just beginning. So all of the younger people that are in the room right now, that you're dating somebody and you know what your purpose is and they don't align with it, you are doing yourself a disservice. A disservice of staying in a relationship with somebody that you know God has not either made for you or that's not going to aid purpose. Because this is the thing that's the most important. Me and Vanessa broke up how many times? Three times. Twice on her birthday. Don't do it. Don't throw your stones because y'all are guilty too. Don't do that. Once at a conference on her birthday, second at a conference on her birthday, and the third one was about a two and a half years before we got engaged. And the Holy Spirit said something so clear to me. He said, you want to know why you don't have peace in this relationship? It's because, Joshua, you haven't made up in your mind if this woman is your wife. But, God, I want to marry her. You marrying her and her being your wife are two different things. Because there are a lot of people that are married to people that are not their wife. This is God's relationship with me, okay? This is me. So God said, is she your wife? I want to marry her. That's not the principle. Is she your wife? God, I I love this woman. And I felt like the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit's different with me. He doesn't scream. He does this. He says, is she your wife? He whispers so much to see, am I willing to listen to what he has to say? And I had to say these words. She's not my wife. Even though I love her, even though she's the best thing that's ever happened to me, you're not my wife. Because every second that I spent with her, if I wasn't made for her, her husband was crying out. Every second that we use holding on to somebody that we love but we're not supposed to be with, there's a man on the opposite side of the city that's praying for everything that she's got. That quirk that you can't stand, man, I can't stand how she laughed, dog. It's annoying. Somebody's like, I'm waiting for a woman that snorts when she laughs. I'm waiting for a woman who's not neat. I'm waiting for a woman that has a lazy eye. So all of the things that you're trying to get changed in that person is perfect for another person we would have a better chance in church. We would have a better chance in our relationships in Christ if we told ourselves the truth. You're not my forever person. I'm just in lust. I'm not in love. Okay. My partner is a means to help me figure it out, but it is not their job to figure me out. When we come together as one, I should have me so figured out that I should be able to give her a book. Here you go. That's me. She shouldn't have to read through the book and be like, where's chapter seven? Shoot. Because what does that chapter says? That chapter seven, it's your addiction. It's what happened to you when you were three or four years old. It's how you think about money. Let me move on. I digress. I'm going to move on. I'm going to move on. Okay. Point number three. Somebody say, go forth and multiply. The person you hook up with should help you make something bigger. And it shouldn't be irritation. Every single one of us knows that friend, that friend that got the boyfriend or the girlfriend. When they come over, you're like, golly, 
I get a headache when I see them pull up on the ring. It's like, Jesus, Jesus is Lord, here it comes. Every time they come, I get hazy. When they're around, I get, I get sleepy. Kyle, Kylan says this all the time. When the ignorance happens, he gets sleepy. I've watched Kylan literally fall asleep on a Zoom when somebody was trying to talk to us about something. I mean, big, when I say big sleep, like put the coffee mug on your belly, like sleep sleep. The person you hook up with should help you make something bigger. It should make three things bigger. When you hook up with the person, you should go forth and multiply. Multiply means to make exponentially greater in all directions. How many directions? massive you should fill up the space that you're in when you walk into the room people should look at y'all and be like whoa there's something different about them the room's got a little bit smaller because they walked in the three things that should multiply are you and your partner your community which means anything that's within your reach your friends your family your house your money and the third thing that should multiply is the world doing relationship alone me and my wife went on a vacation and the third day we started texting our friends Man, it'd be so dope if y'all were here. Because we love enough, each other enough that after the third day, we wanted to multiply our, our love with other people. Because for us, vacation is not just going to KC. For us, I want to be on the beach with my toes when my phone doesn't work so we can talk about dominating when we get back to the crib. That's vacation for me. So look at your neighbor. Say multiply. multiply. Point number four is that alone doesn't get you ahead. Write this down. Embrace the low-hanging fruit. Somebody say low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit are things that you don't have to work hard to get. When you get into a relationship, when you start dating, if if you're about to get into a relationship or you're considering someone, the thing is this. Who are the relationships that you want to be like? And how close are they to you? Because we can waste a lot of energy looking at people that we don't have access to and we don't understand the low-hanging fruit that's around us. You want to know what it looks like, young man? It's the, it's the older gentleman that tells you to keep tying your shoes or to pull your pants up. Young lady, it's the one that texts you after you put something on Instagram, on Facebook, that you really think we're not going to see, but I digress. I really wasn't drinking. Your hand, that's the tattoo on your thumb. I see you. Anyway, she's the older lady that texts you and says, like, hey, sis, you probably need to take that down. Because when you do it alone and you don't come from community with your relationship, it, can't, it doesn't work as well. So listen to this. You need to write down the names of people that you know are in close proximity, that there's a low threshold to get into contact with them, and they, uh, they love living their lives openly for you to see. We need to start looking at relationships that are low risk and high reward. What I say? Low, low risk, high, high reward. reward. What? Low risk, high reward. Because some of the relationships that you're going to pay a high risk for, you think they have it all together. When you get to the conversation at the coffee table in the house, you can realize, I'm not saying this is everyone, but that there's chaos at the house. So why not reach out to some people that you know are already reaching out to you? I don't think that any person that's doing a relationship is doing it alone because there's nobody around. Look at your neighbor. Just say, open your eyes. There's low-hanging fruit everywhere. everywhere. Number five is to embrace the doubt. Skepticism while dating is the best tool that nature gave you. When we're dating and when we're courting, that thing in the back of your head when you're dating, how many of you guys have ever been there? When he tells you, this is what I do, and sis, you're like, "Mm." you should trust that. 
When she tells you something, bro, and you're like, yeah, I call cap. You should trust it. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And sometimes the skepticism that you're feeling or the uneasiness is not your auras being off. It's the Holy Spirit trying to warn you. Let me get my crystals right to get my... Are you kidding me? No, it's the Holy Spirit. Let me burn some sage. Silliness. I went through this point of five months of insanity while we were dating. And I started to realize that uh, I really loved her when I started to consider not being with her. Because I realized that this thing called marriage is a big deal. And I didn't want to be the reason why she didn't fulfill purpose in her life. You know how heavy that is? When we get to heaven and God is like, Joshua, you wanted her and you got her, but she didn't finish the assignment I gave her because you slowed her down. I didn't didn't want that. So three times that we broke up, it was skepticism. I don't think I'm the one for you. I love you with all of my heart, but I'd be messed up if I marry you, get into a relationship with you, and you don't finish your race because I wanted you. Write this down. Somebody wanting you should not slow you down. Because we can go around and people say, no, I don't like you. I don't like you. No. And then the first one that says, yes, we take that opportunity, but it wasn't right. You truly begin to consider the cause and effect of who you are about to hook up with when you begin to think about how is my life going to affect them? Am I good enough for her? Is this what I really want? Do I really want to live this way? These questions work inversely. Sometimes they prove that you care so much about the relationship that you are willing to sacrifice it. You know that, that stupid saying, if you love them, let them go. It's not stupid. It's the truth. Because I'm, I can't join into a relationship with you. Because by the time that you try to fix me, I'll be fixed, but your hands will be bloody. Point six. Somebody say, become the prize. Somebody say, become the prize. We use the concept of children, but not in the realm of, of, of dating. You can be ready spiritually and still be unattractive. You can know the word of God and have holes in your socks. You can be the most amazing guy in the world, but you don't brush your teeth. Can can we talk about it? You can know the word, but be unattractive, dog. Like, we want to marry the prize. Like, oh, she's the prize. But we should be the prize as well. This is why self-care is so important. Look at your neighbor say self-care. You shouldn't have to get married to step your game up of how you dress. You shouldn't have to get married to go to the gym. There are some things that you should do so that when you present yourself to this person, that you are just as attractive to them as they are to you. Okay, I'm just going to speak the honest truth. I don't believe in getting married to someone and then being like, well, she doesn't have everything that I want, but I guess it's okay. No, when I look at them, I should be attractive. Because the funny thing is that when Adam saw Eve, he, was, he did not fall in love with her personality. She didn't say anything. He presented her, which means that she was pleasing to the eyes. But it's not fair for us to want somebody that's pleasing to the eyes and we're jacked up physically. Bro, you want to catch her eye? Go to H&M. It's cheap, great clothing. You really want to catch her eye? You don't have to buy a new car. Just clean the one you got. Every time you pick her up on a date, oh, my bad, baby, hold on, wait one second, let me put this, let me. there you go, coffee stains, grease from Broncos, like, dog, like, you can't expect her to be GQ and woman's model, and you're over here looking rustic, it's not, it's not, 
You can't look like, like, like you just came back from chopping down trees, but you want a woman that looks like she's in vogue. Because your gifts can be aligned, but if your traction is off, somebody that you are meant for can become unattractive. Personality is dope, but attraction is just, just as much important. I love that you got a personality, but when you smile, I, yo, it's, it's a big deal. Brush your teeth. Use some mouthwash. Stop smoking. Lose a couple. And if this is hurting your feelings, that means that you're not ready. Because there were some things that I had to figure out in myself. She might have been in love with the 280-pound Joshua, but the 230 is a little bit different, isn't it? Yes, indeed. It's different. It's not that 280 wasn't worthy. It's just that 230 deserves her. Stop smoking. Lose a couple. Change your hairstyle. Get new clothing. Show yourself presentable. It says that when God comes back for the bride, that the bride has to be presentable. The bride may love him, may have died for, I mean, he might have received the blood, but if the bride is jacked up with her hair all over the place and her dress is tattered, God's, Christ can't marry her because what I'm about to marry has to be a representation of where I'm going. So that's why, sir, you dress the part. I don't always wear sneakers when I'm with her. I have some hard bottom shoes because when we walk into a place, I want to make sure every dude that's in there knows that she's accounted for. Not just with a ring, but that I can throw some bows and knuck if you buck too. You know what I'm talking about? This is what I'm talking about when I say level up. Well, shooters have to accept me as I am. Then you're going to have to accept who comes with what, how you dress, sir. But I like the sweatpants. That's awesome. Good for you. Be ready for who God presents to you. She said, I'm cute. I'm cute. No, bro. Cut your beard. Get a line. Okay, let me move on. Number seven. Somebody say anchor in community. The most important people in your life is your family and your friends. In our relationship, my sister, my mother, and my father are more important to me than my wife. <laughs> they got quiet. <laughs> her father, her relationship with her dad, her mom, and her sisters are more important to her than I am to her. Because it's because of those people that she's important to that I find her attractive. The only reason why Vanessa finds me attractive is because I'm in connection with these two. So if I can fall in love with them, if I'm looking at my parents and she's looking at her parents, our parents push us together. You see what I'm saying? Our parents push us together because we realize something. We haven't been married as long, but our parents can communicate things to one another that our hearts can't. The one you love will never pull you away from your people. The one that you love, if you get into a relationship and the things that where you came from, now you're uncomfortable, I'm going to call that person the devil. Satan isn't this person with a pitchfork. I'm going to get you. No. No. Satan is sexy. Satan is boy. Satan is bad. Satan is, makes your body feel good. But at the same time, they're pulling you away from your life source. I'm going to stay here just for a second. I'm going to stay right here. This is how you know if the person's pulling you away. Write these down, please. Write these down. Have you lost contact with your best friend and don't feel anything about it? 
Y'all used to hang out all the time, and now you don't even, you miss their birthday, Christmas, Thanksgiving, everything. Is the person closely monitoring your communication with people that you, that you love? Number three, are they so good at manipulating your situation that what they suggest becomes your idea? When you come up with a great plan of things that you used to do, like go to church, take your mom out on that Tuesday lunch that you've always taken her out on before you met her, does the person, he or she, come up with a way of manipulating you into canceling set in stone things with your family? I've been taking my mom on dates forever. If I ever get to the point, (laughs) I call cap, but it's okay. But if it ever got to the point where Vanessa planned something on the day that I told her, well, I want to go see my people. You know, on Saturdays, I take my mom to get her nails done. I've been doing this since before I met you, and me doing this keeps us right. Do they have an excuse for everything that is good in your life? Do you know, do you, do you easily forget your favorite color, your favorite food? Do you easily forget what makes you happy, what makes you laugh? Do you easily, when you get the opportunity to pick the movie, do you forget what movie that you like? When you get the opportunity to choose where you want to eat, do you always give them the reason to, uh, do you always give them the, the choice? When you're around your friends and family, are they uneasy for unexplainable reasons? I don't know. I don't know what it is about her. I don't know what it is about him. I don't like them and I don't like them. Because in our house, we're extremely hot and cold. So if my mom says I'm not sure, that means I picked the wrong one. I'll go out on that limb. I'll X somebody out because the people in my community said that they're not. Because I'm, I, my anchor that's in my family never leaves my family. I don't pick up the anchor out of my family's life and put it. I leave the house, but my anchor remains with them. Your family can't put their finger on it, but it's real. I don't know what it is when she's around. She doesn't talk. Man, it's not a big deal. I don't know what it is, but it's just, I don't think y'all should get married. We're ready. God told us, oh, Jesus, now I can't touch it. But isn't it interesting that people don't say that God told us to get divorced? That sentence usually starts with, I can't do this anymore. If God can tell you to get married, shouldn't he be able to tell you that this ain't it? But I serve a God that if he didn't want you to get married, he'd probably whisper it in the still small voice. She ain't it, dog. She ain't it. The movement from your mother's house and your father's house, sir, the moving away from your family and your friends, ma'am, it's not instantaneous. It's gradual. To the point where you've drifted so far away that you don't even have a place of recollection of how to get back to your people. Then in that moment, once they realize that they've got you out here in the midst by yourself, they reveal who they are. This is who I really am. I'm abusive. I'm poison. I put my hands on men because I love it and I know you can't do anything about it. I call your mom and then hang up. I call her all types of, all types of names in front of you. I poke you in your forehead. You know what I'm talking about? You ever want nine? You ever do this? He, you know, I ain't gonna put my hands on you, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you gotta shake them. Like, what are you doing? Because you are so weighty that there has to be a strategic plan to remove you from the camp of your family. You're so priceless 
It's like Indiana Jones. If I want this, I have to make a trade. Remember Indiana Jones? That boy was sweating when he was like, Because broken people have been committing robbery in healthy families for too long. Now the family dynamic is broken because now Thanksgiving there's an empty chair. Let me move on. Let me move on. Do they monitor your communication? Is there inconvenient planning? Y'all go to brunch every Sunday, but I told you this is what I do. I go to church. The things that were important to you, do you no longer have time to go to the gym? Do you no longer have time to read? Do you no longer, have you missed episodes of your favorite show? It's not just because she's trying to make sure that, or he's trying to make sure that everything is right and okie doke. They're trying to wean you away and poison you to the point where you become reliant on them. Because you can poison somebody to the point of where they see you as the only source of life. Number eight. Number eight. This is the last one. The most important thing that I ever did, and I'm, I'm speaking about Joshua. I don't want you to like take notes and say that he's better than, or whatever. That's, that's not what I'm, I'm just trying to share with you. Does this make sense? Like, does this sermon make sense? Because the revelation of the word of God is like light, and it brings understanding. Places where you didn't have an answer, and now you can see. The most important thing that I ever did was I introduced Vanessa to the God that I knew. Like, you know what I'm talking about? We're married, and we don't have enough experience to sit together and have a family meeting and be like, this is where we're going right now. We have hopes and dreams, Right? But one thing that I am an expert on is my relationship with Christ. This should be the first question that you ask somebody when you're on your courting and your dating relationship. Tell me about your relationship with God. And if they do not have an elaborate answer, they're not it. And when I say elaborate, and a lot of you are like, that's not fair. That means that you're not saved yet. The answer should be, before I met Christ, I was in this I was in that and this and that. I was addicted to pornography. I used to steal. Uh, I, I was abusive. I was mentally abusive. I was, I was a manipulator. But then I met a man named Jesus. And because of Jesus, I do that stuff sometimes, but I'm working towards what I know is supposed to be right. And I have, I have them in my heart. That will get the ring quicker than I got bread. Because what I'm doing is, is I'm telling Vanessa, not at 7 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the morning over Skype, but in front of her in person, around other people, that I'm willing to be vulnerable in front of you, and I'm allowing God to reveal some of the craziness in my life, but because we're in principle, I'm protected. Because now what I'm telling you isn't exposing you as a part of my testimony. You can share the scary parts of your life and not have to do it at 2 o'clock in the morning over FaceTime. If you do it in a testimony, God gets the glory, and you still get to be in a close proximity that you can figure the person out but not feel that you have to be in relationship with them. Because when I introduced her to the God that I know, I proved to her that I actually know him. Knowing God is not knowing his word. It's not singing. It's not being able to recite scripture. Knowing God is when the situation happens, you can go and scroll through your mind. Yeah, this is John 3.16 right here. So how do you introduce it to them? Tell them your salvation story. Tell them your freedom and deliverance story. I used to be addicted to X. These are the steps that I went through to get over it, and I prayed with God, and now, because I went through that and I'm set free, now I'm able to take that principle and apply it to everything in my life. I just said a lot by saying nothing, did I not? Your personal relationship with God. Listen to this. Write this down. Be honest about what you don't know. 
if we started dating and courting and sitting across from each other at the $100 steak dinner, and we prepared more about what we were going to tell them that we didn't know rather than what we were going to tell them to try to get them in bed, <laughs> I think our relationships would work a little bit better. You turn the things you don't know from ignorance into intriguing when you expose them. Because the worst thing that you could do in your relationships is two, three, four years down the road, six months, nine months down the road, a place where you had darkness, light is shed, and I didn't, I didn't marry this. What is, what is this? But I think that this is the first step. Everything that I've talked about is impossible unless you renew your relationship with Christ. I've been waiting for this sermon. I've, I've re- written this sermon a couple times, and I wanted to teach it a couple years ago, but I didn't have the credentials yet. You know what I mean? There's some things that you can't teach until, like, you're right. But I want to speak to the person that you're literally hanging in the balance of a bad relationship. Both of you, because it's not just you. Both of you are, are a man and a woman of God. Both of you may be incomplete, but in the spirit, you're complete. But I think that today, somebody's going to have the courage to receive revelation and make the best decision in their life for them today. For some of you that, that are married, it's gonna be recommitting your vows. You can even do it right now in this moment. You know, we should do that. If you're married, grab that, grab that person's hand. Like, literally, grab that person's hand. Like, in this moment, just like recommit. Like, I got some revelation. There's some things that I do well, but God, I need more. Because the level that God is going to take you, the level of your knowledge now won't sustain you. So you're going to need some new stuff. But we always pray about relationships and we pray a blessing over people that are dating and that are courting. And that's great. But I would rather pray a blessing that God would reveal to you the things that are like red flags, that you can't walk past them. That it becomes so uncomfortable for you to stop chasing purpose. That when you're in relationship with someone, that when you find them, that you know without a shadow of a doubt this person's supposed to help you. Can can I pray that prayer? Is that okay? Because some of you that are watching online, AWC Nation, you might be sitting with that person. I know it's scary because you, you, you know what I'm about to say. Does you want me to break up with them? I don't know. That might be the revelation that you have. Do I need to change the person by number? Do I, need to, do I need to move away? Or do I need to make the decision, some of you, to get on the knee and marry her? You're not getting any younger. She's not going to get any gooder. She's your wife. Just make the decision, dog. It's scary. I know it's scary. I'm nine months in and I'm still terrified. But I believe that in this moment, when we're talking about what's between us, I think the reason why this background is white is because revelation sheds light on both of us. The church is losing when it comes to relationships and marriage. But I believe that after today, the stuff that's in between us can be taken out and we can put God back in the center of relationship. Can we do that? Come on, everybody stand to your feet. Joshua, I know I'm interrupting and you didn't know. Uh, that was amazing. Okay. Okay. Uh, a, a lot of things you say, people need to understand from me and your mother <clears throat> that you're the guy we built with intent. So we built you to be strong. We built you to be open and honest and powerful. That's what we asked for. Um, So I just want to give one instruction before Pastor Josh prays for you. Uh, And I want them to put up this scripture. Because 
everything that happens with your children as they're born and they get married, I want you to understand that it's, this, is, this is not God in Scripture. This is parenting. Um, a lot of stuff he said is stuff we taught him every day. The eight-year courtship wasn't his idea. It was mine. Because he wasn't ready. She was running fast. You can't stop her from running fast to slow down for you. And you can't run at a speed you can't run at. So we've got to get you both in the place and time where your intersections work. That was parenting. So here's the scripture in the message. What I want to do is I want every parent to understand, every mom, dad, foster parent, grandma, aunt, whatever your relationship is with that child that's getting ready to get married, I just want you to understand this. I want you to be involved. There's no way they should be able to come home and tell you, I'm in love, I'm getting married. No, that ain't what we're doing. Someone has to be part of that. And here's what the scripture says. Dear friend, if bad companionship tempts you, don't, that's not the one I wanted. That's the one, Proverbs 1 and 8. There you go. Dear friend, if bad, read it with me. Dear friend, if, if bad, bad companionship tempt tempts you, don't go along with them. If they say, let us go out. Let's beat up some old Here's what I want you to understand. That instructions come from parents. Look up that other scripture for me, please. Uh, uh, Proverbs also that says, uh, my son, don't forget the instructions of your father and, and what your mother taught you. Proverbs, is that one, six, seven, eight? It's there. Y'all hold on. Hold on for a second. You're not going to go do nothing but go somewhere and eat anyway. <laughs> That's all you get ready to do. Uh, well, I'm tired of church. You watch the most boring three hour Super Bowl. All right. <clears throat> it's Proverbs 1 8, isn't it? No, it's not. Proverbs 3 1. I'm looking up. Maybe I should look back here. No, it says of your mother. Bring me my phone. Bring me my phone, Lamont. Oh, we're going to get this one, y'all. Hang on. I thought it was 1-8. I'm still looking down. Did we find it? 
Okay. This is Proverbs 1.8. I'm not, okay, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened. Here we go. Can we put that one on the screen? So while they're getting it ready for the screen, I got an eight, I got an 18-year-old guy right out of high school, finishing up high school, meets this girl at church. She's in med school. And he's like, I think I like her. I'm like, no, you don't. You don't even know what that is. <laughs> She's three and a half, four years ahead of you. She's walked through the things you haven't walked through. And you will not have my blessing until you walk through what she's walking through. You got to have your master's degree. That's what's going to happen. Well, I don't need one. I didn't ask if you needed one. Instead of sending you to the army or to the military to grow up a bunch of, bunch of yahoos, I'm telling you to get a master so I can watch you grow up. And then you're going to meet her. So this is what I said to him at 18. My son, hear the instructions of your father. These are instructions. These are in, what are they? Instructions. These are instructions of principle that we're getting from the word. These aren't suggestions. The instructions from your father and what? This is, these are huge now. You get instructions from your father. What you get from your mama? <laughs> you must not forsake the law of your mother. And if you do this, Joshua, if you'll do this, if you'll do this, we promise you, you're going to have one of the most powerful marriages that you have ever experienced. We promise you. We promise you. And once we did that, we hung up and called Dr. Monroe. We hung up, we called Pastor Strong. We called the mothers and fathers in our life and we said, listen, we got this thing happening in our family and we want to lead it and guide it. Our instructions were, pay attention to it. Be at home. Be present. Be involved. Are they on social media? Yes. What you own, Josh? Well, I do Instagram. I'm like, what is Instagram? Put it on my phone. Let me get a Facebook. Because I want to know what's happening. It's the instruction. So before he prays, all I wanted to say was, parents, promise me. Auntie, uncle, godparents, whoever you are, in your children's lives as they're growing up, their hair is growing out, their hips and everything's growing out. Be present and give instructions, not suggestions. Clear? I interrupted. Well, I did. I interrupted because I wanted to share this. And this was, this, this is amazing. This is good. No, you got to finish now. I was finished. No, you weren't. Can I ask you to, to finish? No. Ask me to finish? You got to finish. Okay. Real quick. Stop. All of you. Stop. Okay. So the, the show has been, this is, this is, this is all the, the behind the scenes stuff. 
um, that's a display of honor. He, he, please hear me. Me, seven years ago, it would have been on my face. What is this man doing? But then when you get to this point where you understand that they own it all, it's just like anything you're doing is for my betterment. You know what I mean? Um, and I think that there's a level of honor that's missing in families. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell it myself because that's what God told me. Telling yourself, speak the truth. Um, the only reason why the relationship works isn't because I'm good. The, other people in our church, it's not because they are attractive and they're great people, but it's because we listened to instruction that was older than us. So this is what I'm going to pray. This is what I'm going to pray. I'm going to tell you the three things I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray, and I'm not going to give any context, but I'm going to pray that you go home, whatever that means to you. The second is I pray that God would give you boldness to say, I'm sorry, repent, and reconcile. The third thing is that I pray that God would take away the shame of lost time. This is what I mean. The first important thing that we have to understand is that we're no good when we're outside of our parents' homes. Yes, I live in another house, but I send my wife to go over there to get stuff. And I don't have to give her a briefing before she goes. Second thing is this. There has to be a boldness in your relationship with your family because they're the best thing that's ever happened to you. And the reason why the person is attracted to you is because your parents did a lot of work. So I'm just going to talk to the younger people. Don't screw up 50 years of marriage and your parents with one bad decision and the wrong person. Because people won't look at me and Vanessa and say, we failed. They're going to look at Martin and Linnell and say, like, y'all are trash parents. The third thing that I want to pray for is that when you break up, that actually should be a joyous occasion. It shouldn't be shameful because you've gotten to the point of completing that chapter in that relationship. If you don't do it maliciously, when you can say like, hey, this isn't for me, you're actually opening up your doors and your life to other revelation. So that's what I wanna pray for. Because church, life, and all that other stuff means absolutely nothing if you can't do it with family. I don't wanna be happy in a house with a woman and I can't go and eat cornbread with my mom. Especially if my wife can't make it, which she can, but like, like, I don't want to cut off a piece of my life because I can sleep with this person. Really? Sex is not the ultimate price I want to pay for having Christmas with my people or my salvation. So that's what I'm going to pray for. Can we stand? And those of you that are watching online, this is going to be probably one of the toughest. Thank you, Pastor. Usually when he comes up, I'm like, oh, what did I do? I messed up. But I think this is going to be one of the most important prayers because the first time when I broke up uh, with, with Vanessa, I talked to Kylan and my dad. My dad said, I've been trying to tell you she's too fast for you. I'm like, I know, but I like her. Well, yeah, you, lesser words. He basically said, you have a lot of growing up to do. And you're not, you're not ready. Somebody, somebody said, you're not ready. And I talked to Kylan, and Kylan said, like, you have a lot more growing up to do. What I'm going to pray is that the courage of God allows you to be revealed knowledge, but that you have the boldness to follow it. There are some of you that are married. You have date night every Thursday. In the past six months, you've missed it. And it just happens. But I think that God's going to give you boldness to put the phone down and go on that date night. I think a lot of us as parents, a lot of you as parents, you're going to have that conversation with your, with your child. This is why I don't like Johnny, X, Y, and Z. You should break up with him. You should be very honest with him because it's your child's forever that lies in your hands. Amen. Can we pray? AWC Nation, you too. Come on, let's lift our hands. God, we thank you so much for this opportunity for us to be in your word. We also thank you for this sermon series where we have not just learned about the things in between us, but we've been given some tools and we've been given some practicality and some principles to follow. 
So God, the three things that I'm praying for, God, I pray that tonight, today, whoever's watching this, if it's post product, that you would give us the courage to stay with our families. The second is that you would give us the boldness to follow the principle. And the third is that you would take away the shame of any type of feeling. If, if we've lost our virginity, if we've wasted our time, if we've been addicted to some stuff because of the relationship, God, we pray that you would make the, the, the decisions that we have to make, make them clean cut, make them sure in Jesus' name. God, we ask that you would bless every single family that is under the sound of my voice, every single family with a young person, an old person. If they're in marriage, God, we pray that the peace of God and the protection of God would rain down on their homes. God, that decisions that they've been questioning for the past couple of months, the past couple of years, 10 years, whatever it is, God, allow us to call it what it is, not just to take a train wreck, but that we can call it what it is. This isn't working and we can begin to pursue purpose. This is the last party that everybody's hands lifted. God, we thank you that each and every purpose person in this room was given a divine purpose, a divine reason for living. Right there where you are, thank him for that. God, I thank you for why I'm here. God, I thank you that my purpose can be fulfilled without marriage, without being in relationship. God, you created me beautifully and whole. But God, we thank you for the desire of marriage in this room. And God, we ask right now that you will begin to ready wives, begin to ready husbands, begin to ready sons and daughters that will come from these loving relationships. God, we ask that you would create relationships that our marriages will be able to glean from. God, that you would, we would be able to create communities of not just friends and family, but an entire tribe of people that love you, that are chasing after relationship.